Pomanzi News embarks on its third decade as the only global nonprofit news organization reporting on the most crucial issues impacting women and girls around the world so that we may continue to shape how women and girls are represented in the media toward creating a more equitable world that honors, respects, and supports the lives of women and girls by seeking the truth and reporting it, acting independently with accountability and transparency. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Gabby Klein. I'm a fellow with the Cy Sims Excellence in Journalism program at Women's E-News. And today I'm speaking with author, filmmaker, artist, and activist, Nahid Shahalimi, about the current situation in Afghanistan. Hi, Nahid. Hi, so, thank you for having me here. So, so why don't you start by telling me what has been the current impact of the Taliban in Afghanistan, specifically on women and girls? That's the million dollar question that, that the whole world is trying to find a solution for. The current situation keeps on changing. And um, what was, let's say, there's the general situation where women and girls are not allowed to go to school in many provinces, although my latest update was that six provinces allowed girls to go to school now. Um, but we are, I think, day 38 or day 39 or 40, that most of the girls, millions of girls, are not allowed to go to school. There are many reasons for that, as has been put by the Taliban, um, such as security threats that they um, that they say they claim to have. There are not enough female teachers to teach them. A high percentage of the teachers and the educated class of Afghanistan has left, but there is still quite a few already in on the ground. What has been happening is this fear that has gotten into, people are afraid to go to the streets, especially women, because of the the the, the treatment of the women that they have seen, uh, not, not only on TV, but also their track record does not help them say the things that they say. They say certain things, but then act differently on the ground. So to, to, to answer that question in one you know, one, two, three sentences that can be easily answered and also for the world to understand how it works is much more complex than that. There's foot soldiers on the ground that do the opposite of what the executive board or committee or whatever they are, government says. They often do the opposite, which also kind of makes us think, um, not think, but it is it is the analysis of most of the people that, that know what they're talking about when it comes to Afghanistan, that um, they're not very united amongst themselves. So there are some liberals among them, uh, but yet there are some hardcore ones on the ground that this, these links are not made between them. So therefore, uh, most women and girls, especially educated ones, are very, very afraid to go even on the streets because they're being intimidated by a lot of these men that are patrolling as well. As far as the work situation is concerned, unless you are in the health departments or Ministry of Health and whatever that has to do with women's health, this sector is allowed to do what they do. Nevertheless, it's there's still intimidation. We do have reports that, that women are being intimidated to go to work often, ask, being asked questions or just being yelled at on the streets sometimes just for not wearing the appropriate hijab that covers you fully or, or you know, things. Another person came on TV a few weeks ago and said that women cannot even, can, cannot wear perfume, for example. You cannot wear a shoe that makes noise, high heels, for example. You're not allowed to wear socks. You shouldn't be able to see socks. And some even came on TV. I don't know whether it's propaganda or some women that claim to be the Taliban women and said that they shouldn't even they shouldn't be even allowed to, to, to show their hands 
which is completely against the Islamic rule and Sharia, basically. I'm not an expert in Sharia law, nor am I um, an expert when it comes to Islamic studies. Nevertheless, these basic things, we do know that you're allowed to show hands and, and feet. So to answer your question, the, the mental state of the women, horrific. What they could do before the 15th of August is out of question. To, to which degree can they do that? What they want to do is it keeps on changing and the reports are changing. And also the fact that there's been a lot of media censorship, a lot of journalists that have been beaten and not allowed to take pictures of the protests even on the ground, makes it very, very difficult to get the right information from the ground. For example, today, uh, six weeks ago, it was much easier. I can tell you that much. So it is, a, it is a very mobile, it is a very unstable, it is a very insecure place right now, especially for women and educated women, especially. If you're a doctor, you're, you're a little safer, let's say, because you deal with women only. But if you're an engineer or, or especially advocates and, and artists and journalists, they really have to, they're really being um, careful. Let's just put it that way. They're being very careful and a lot of them are in hiding. You mentioned the 15th of August is this kind of turning point when before that, women had a lot more rights or something that looked somewhat similar to what we maybe experience in the U.S. Would you say that's correct? The Western countries and the international community was there. So they did bring a lot of uh, liberties, but these liberties before, before all of these wars, I mean, whether it was the civil war, the Taliban or the civil war, and then the Soviets before that, a lot of these, these freedoms, so-called freedoms, were given to the Afghans by the Afghan government anyhow. So Afghanistan has had a history of being very open-minded to women, especially in the constitution during the last decades before, before the war. So it is not something that the Western world brought with them, nor is it something that the Russians brought with them. Um, and this is what it, where it becomes very, how can I put it? I, I'm trying to be very diplomatically and politically correct here by answering these questions. And the reason why I say that is that often we, and even I myself, face. I'm faced with situations where I try not to step over people's feet because what we may say here and in these kind of Zooms or in these kind of interviews will affect our own work. Self-censorship is something that we have grown up with, um, not only in my culture, but now I find myself in a position where I am self-centering from sides uh, because um, it seems that when you tell the truth and what's happening on the ground, Often it is, it, is, it is in our situation, it is a lose-lose situation. We are in Afghanistan. We can't say the truth because we may have projects that are running. We may have, uh, and, and our intention is to help the Afghan women not to become, so to speak, Western women, but to become women that have the opportunities to do that what is good for them in that situation, under that umbrella, under that cultural tradition. But yet when we tell the truth, which we have in the last couple of decades, and we have advised the Western world, the international world, where most of our advices have you know, fallen deaf, they've, they've fallen deaf to, to our advice, although we've been paid for these advices, uh, then we are very careful as to who we criticize or who we don't criticize in the Western world, because then our doors may close in the Western world. And that is the, the place I think that most of women right now on the ground are also faced with, where we, where they are being careful as to how much they can tell, how much they can show, how, how much they can do. 
I, this this reminds me, and I go, and I know that this is not an answer to your question, but it is it is something that has been in my mind and it's been and has been eating me up alive, and I think it's been eating up a lot of not not only Afghans but rather feminists in this world. The day that I found out that one of my a magazine that I held so high and I looked up to for so many years for for as long as I remember, and in 2010 this magazine put the face of Aisha, a young girl that was, that her nose and her ears were cut off by the same, the same mentality, the same ideology that we face here in Afghanistan today. That's the Time magazine. And showcasing her and showing the brutality of what some Afghan women and women in the world are faced with. A few weeks ago, I found out that the leader of the Taliban, today's Taliban, that rules Afghanistan is one of the most one of the 100 most influential people of Times Magazine this year. To be diplomatically again correct, what in the world are we doing? How how in the world can somebody in that institution decide that it is okay for a person that leads one of the most extremist groups? that puts women in, not uh, uh, 20 years back or 40 years back, but rather 1,300 years back in a, in a society, which does not only, this is much bigger than Afghanistan, for them to give, give a platform of, of one of the 100 most influential people in this world, regardless of what their influences may be, makes me wonder where we really stand in this system that have been made um, by some white dudes that decide on the faith of all of these women and all of us. That's why I think this idea of censorship or self-censorship becomes very important. If you want your work to go forward as women, as feminists, as activists, we always have to watch where we step because there are shells and you don't want to break these shells, whether it's on that side of the sphere or whether it's on this side of the sphere. So. Having said that, I don't think that I do have an answer, quite a, a, quite a concrete answer for that. But I think that this alone would say a lot for those who would hear this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And in terms of the progress that's been made in the past 20 years in Afghanistan for women and girls, what of that do you think can be salvaged now after all of these things are happening and after we're giving recognition to... We have put, I think... The international community, we can't say that it's this person's fault or that person's fault or this institution's fault or this group of people's fault. It is, we have, we as a, as a whole, including the international community, has put a, the seed of what freedom means, what human rights mean um, in the minds and heads and hearts of all of Afghanistan, uh, regardless of whether they've liked it or not liked it. The things that women could have done in the last 20 years aside from the politics of things, aside from the, from the corruption and everything that comes with it, aside from the ongoing war, what they have achieved, I have personally, first-hand, handedly seen women, young girls do the impossible, where they have achieved, they have achieved uh, things that no, no, I mean, it would be, it would be compared, compared to, to the Western world or I live in Germany, it would be considered impossible to achieve. And they have been faced with bombs, attacks, um, threats, death threats, as everybody gets to that death threat. It becomes a norm. It's normalized over there. But that they can never take away. The only problem is that 
in order for us to salvage anything, we need to know what the frameworks are, which we were we are working in. And we still don't have the frameworks right now, to be honest. What are we allowed to do? Some universities that a lot of people don't know, there are some private universities that are all female. They are open and running. Of course, they're on, again, they're walking on, on shells, on very soft shells and being careful, but they are open and running. And health services, again, are something that was allowed back then. And that is what it is still allowed. So as far as salvaging something, I think that we should be focusing on the, on the basic education and to be sure that, that we don't lose too much time. We already lost two months almost. The schools are closed. Most schools are closed. But we cannot afford to have another two months off because it just, it, just takes, it just takes like a few months, a couple of years, and then you lose slowly the next generation of, of education. So that salvaging, there are lots of education that are happening in, in hiding groups of, groups of young girls that are meeting up right now. But to be honest, I don't think that we can even talk about salvaging anything because almost 20 million people are in start, like close to starvation right now. In most of the, I mean, parts of the country, winter has hit and it is harsh winter. People are, BBC just brought out a, a huge report that people have been selling their babies and children for $500 so that they, the rest of the family can feed themselves. So a baby, a, a one-year-old girl is sold for $500 to be married to somebody's, some dude's son, supposedly. That's the good, like the, the best case scenario in order for the rest of the family to survive and buy food. So there's, there's the humanitarian crisis and catastrophe that is happening every single day in Afghanistan. And every single day, somebody dies. Many people die because they don't have food to eat because everything has been frozen. But yet, on the other hand, if you let go of the humanitarian aid and all of these funding that has been, that is allocated for women, for human rights, then in a way you legitimize the Taliban. And how do you know that that money goes in the hands of, of those people without any kind of benchmarks, without any kind of conditions that must be put on, on top of this? So it is a very, very complex issue right now. As far as salvaging, we have salvaged only the health department for um, whatever that has to do with health and female health. We've been able to salvage that because that's the only thing that they can't do. But it's not because they want to give this right to women. I don't believe so. I think that they're, they have to because they love to have children. Otherwise, as far as, I mean, the so-called respect that they are praising to have for women, well, this is not the kind of respect that you have in any other Islamic country um, in the world. We have many, many Islamic countries where women are, yes, they, they put the hijab. And when we go, when, when you and I would go to, to Saudi Arabia, we would have to put the, the, the hijab as well. And gladly, I would do it. But that doesn't mean that as a woman, I'm not even, you know, I'm too afraid to walk on the streets to go and buy food because I may be, you know, kicked or hit with a baton or something like that because I'm a woman and I'm, and I'm, my hands are showing. So these are the things that are really frustrating to watch. But as far as being there for the women, I think that the most important thing that we can do outside is to keep this voice alive, to keep their voices alive, to use the, their voices to give the platforms when possible via Zoom and to listen to them firsthand. We have to start hearing these women, but also to listen to them. And not, I mean, right now there's, there's, there's I mean, the last few weeks, there have been, again, white men sitting with the Taliban, with male Taliban, 
speaking about women's rights. I mean, is it me or is it, <laughs> am I coming from another planet? Again and again and again, people sit and talk about Afghan women. Why? We have incredible Afghan qualified, highly qualified, highly educated women in every sector of the society. And we don't see them in every single platform when talking about Afghan women. Why do we have to have other people talk about us? We have the qualifications to speak. And usually the information that they speak of comes from us anyways, because it is firsthand experiences that they are looking for. Most of these people talking about us have not even been there. So how dare they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think last time we spoke, we discussed how what's happening in Afghanistan kind of echoes out to the rest of the world regarding patriarchal control of women, even if it's not to the extent that it's happening in Afghanistan right now. How is what is happening in Afghanistan similar to other countries or reflecting a greater trend today? I think that, I mean, this this started this started a few years back, to be honest. It's just, it seems like we're going backwards. And I always go back to The Handmaid's Tale, you know, Margaret Atwood, who is... I've been looking up to this incredible uh, human who has read, she's projected so many things in, in The Handmaid's Tale. And this was in 1985 when it first got published. And I remember when I first read that book, I, that was my first English book that I ever read with a dictionary, of course, couldn't understand half of it. But then I understood the meaning of it. Whereas the rest of the students that I was reading this book for, well, I mean, we're all, we all had to uh, read it for school. And I think it was college or school, um, last years of school. And I remember that nobody understood the meaning of it, but they understood the words. For me, it was the other way around. I didn't understand every single word I read, but I understood the meaning right away because I was an Afghan immigrant at that time. I don't even remember if I had my citizenship, my Canadian citizenship yet, but I understood. And exactly that parallel, we are living in Afghanistan now. And look at what's happening in Poland, for example, just here, just across across the, the, the borders of, I mean, in European Union. Look at what's happening in Texas. We're going backwards. Some other people are going to be deciding what I do with my body. In Texas, if, if I want to have an abortion, then I would have to go to another state where it's allowed because I'm no longer allowed to have an abortion there. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is going backwards and backwards and backwards. And these are, uh, these are the moments where you have to really stop and say, how fragile are these gains that we have had in the last 100 years for women? How fragile are they? How, how solid are they? Not much, because it, it keeps on going backwards. And if we don't do something about it, and that means in solidarity, because a lot of people talk about, oh, let's unite, let's do this. There's not a lot of unification. There's not a lot of solidarity. You have to sometimes put yourself on the side and say, because of the cause, whatever it may be for you, for the women you know, movement, whichever section of it may be, because of that cause, that is okay. For this one, I will sit back and I will push the others because that will have a better impact. And I think the solidarity part is extremely, extremely important that women in general, those in power, those in power to make change in policies, those in power to go and actually move some and make some people uncomfortable. Yes, we will have to make people uncomfortable if you want change. And if we don't have that, it keeps on going backwards. Because again, you know, we are in, I can speak about European Union, European Union, my taxpayers money is paying for certain activities that we support in the EU, which also supports, you know, Poland, for example. They have signs of anti-homosexual zones. We are 2021 and we don't think about that. These, these extreme imbalances that we have in this world, but yet 
the so-called democratic countries support certain charters and these countries have signed these charters then why aren't we cutting and making a line and saying you have to do this otherwise you won't get the money if we do not move together towards these goals especially when it comes to minorities rights and women's rights we will be faced with some incredible incredible challenges and at times i think would be much more difficult to solve them because the systems would be made in a way that your hands are tied as our hands are right now tied when it comes to afghanistan the problems of afghanistan may be geographically far but those kind of extremist ideologies do not have any borders and they have been pouring into the systems that we think we have as democracies democracy itself is extremely fragile and we should know that as proof of that is poland holland right now what's happening there you know um, we're 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 seeing it in texas in the united states as well and and so many of these domino effects are happening and that is what should be really really troubling for a lot because we think oh afghanistan is there or we just think about that two three weeks the whole world was posting and 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 doing this and doing that for afghanistan where are they now we've moved on already to the next you know hot potato yazidi women same thing there are still yazidi women captive that have not been found where are they other incidences that i can give you a hot, like a long long list but we have to we have to stop at each one of them and not go with the with this you know with this current that's going so fast because it's as if we're chasing something while we have the real problems that we haven't solved and we move on to the next one and i think that it is extremely important to come back to those problems and solve them one after the other and i think that women can do that only if they stand in solidarity and find solutions that would work holistically changing the system the systematic way of 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 having others decide for what is good for us what are we five year olds that never grow up and that is what it feels like that that we are living in a in a very 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 fragile and a very very pivotal moment i would say in, in history for women and for feminism as well because if we don't do much about it it's going to keep on going backwards yeah yeah definitely thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and for all of your wonderful expertise and good luck with all of your work moving forward thank you thank you gabby for having me thank you for tuning in to the women's e news podcast if you like what you've heard please subscribe and to learn more about women's e news please visit us at womensenews.org it's completely free to subscribe <laughs>